Welcome to Let's Talk About CX, a show that will help you improve your customer experience and provide you ideas on how to amaze and delight your customers. We feature experts and authors from around the world who share their view and give you tips and tricks for great CX. And now, here's your host, Sultan Simlali. Hi, and welcome to Let's Talk About CX. Uh, my name is Sultan Simlali, and I have a real passion for customer experience. Uh, when it started, I'm not entirely sure, uh, but it must be because I grew up in Brussels, in Belgium, where my parents had shops. And I helped them on an almost daily basis. And so firsthand, how providing a great customer experience leads to more business and more loyalty and friendships. Uh, customer experience can be small things like bringing groceries to an older lady who lives a couple of blocks away, or making sure that you always have the right products for your customers at a good time. Uh, the goal of this podcast is to meet thought leaders on customer experience and see whether they can also explain things in words my mom would understand understand. So today I'm welcoming Rick Delisi. Rick has been researching customer service and customer experience for the past two decades. Uh, he's the co-author of the best-selling book, The Effortless Experience, and has written several pieces published in Harvard Business Review. Prior to working in customer service, he was a journalist, winning four Associated Press Awards for standing feature reporting. And he recently wrote Digital Customer Service with uh, Dan Mike uh, Michaeli, uh, who's the CEO of uh, Glia, a technology company specialized in customer service. So, uh, Rick, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the invite and uh, hello to your mom as well. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> She'll appreciate. <laughs> so, um, Rick, let, let's, let's step right in. Um, how would you define customer experience? What is customer experience to you? Well, it's such a broad term, and, and I think that's part of the issue, is that it means almost everything. Every part of the experience that a person has when they're interacting with a brand or using a company's product or trying to get service from a company is all part of this big thing called the customer experience. What I've been studying for the past two decades is largely what happens when something goes wrong or when somebody needs help. So the elements of customer service that are just one of the slices in the bigger pie called customer experience, we've always come to understand as the most critical. You know, customer experience is really about customer loyalty are the experiences that a person is having likely to make them more or less loyal to the companies they do business with? And we know that there's no more critical situation that than when a customer has a need or an issue or needs help. So when service is involved, and particularly when a customer has to reach back out to a company, these are the moments of truth. This is where the rubber meets the road. And so I've largely been studying the psychology of what happens inside people's minds in their hearts when they're having a service experience. Okay. And are you looking at um, the customer perspective or the employee perspective or both? The customer, the employee, mm -hmm. and the organization at large. So there's really three separate stakeholder groups, and they're all involved at some level. And even, frankly, the frontline employee who's serving that one customer. So then you expand it out to four stakeholder groups, and they're all critically important. They all play a different role. But remember, in a service interaction, It's only ever two people, the customer 
and then the frontline agent who's interacting with that customer. That one interaction times as many interactions as the company is having in a year, that's your whole customer service program. And so it's so critical that companies set their frontline people up for success with the interactions that they're having with customers every day. Mm-hmm. And and how? Oh, what are the mistakes that organizations are making in setting that up? Well, there's a couple of things. <laughs> One thing we've discovered is that a term that virtually every company uses, which sounds great and sounds like the right answer, turns out to be very dangerous. And that policy, that goal, that standard is: we want to create a consistently excellent experience for our customers. So how could that possibly be bad? Well, what we've learned is that when companies say we want to create a consistent experience, it's almost always translated as to do exactly the same thing with every customer every time. There's a process map. There are steps that we should follow. There's policies that we uphold at our company. There's a a system in place for being able to serve customers. And we'd like to do it consistently. But when you think about it, especially in today's world, every customer, every person has this expectation that they're going to be treated uniquely like an individual based on my tenure as a customer with your company, based on the specific issue that I have, based on whatever I'm experiencing, both physically and psychologically in the midst of what this issue is. And so to serve customers at an excellent level consistently means you have to have an experience that's different in some ways for each individual person, which is in some ways the exact opposite of consistency. So what companies really want is a consistent result, but the way to achieve that result is by treating every individual customer as a unique person who has a unique problem, or at least it's unique to them. Yeah. Yeah, so so we all have unique problems and unique issues that we are facing uh, we also have specific expectations from a from a company um, so what can an organization do i mean they cannot uh, allow their employees to to go wild and spend thousands of dollars to get people happy or spend 20 hours on the phone so what can they do to get to a good experience the second part of that if mm-hmm. The first part is treating each customer like a unique individual who has their own unique issues and problems. The second thing is, what are the systems we've put in place to enable our frontline people to create that customized experience for each individual person? Mm -hmm. And in our new book, Digital Customer Service, we write about the technology that now enables companies to curate the experience for each individual customer, but just not based on who that person is, but rather what are their exact needs at this moment based on the issue that they're dealing with. And what Mm -hmm. we've discovered is that some issues can be handled perfectly well through digital self-service. You go on a company's website or app, click a couple of buttons, The information you need for this issue is readily available. If there's changes or selections that you need to make, the explanation of that is all very obvious. And then when you as the customer have done what you think you need to do, there's a confirmation that assures you that everything's going to be taken care of. When all of that can be done without any human assistance, that's always a wonderful low effort experience. 
Mm-hmm. But here's the big thing about service. There are some issues, and in some cases, a lot of issues that can't be resolved entirely through self-service. And now comes the problem, because in today's world, where the vast majority of customers go first to a company's website or app when there's an issue, if that customer needs to speak to a live human being, in today's world, that almost always occurs as a completely separate experience that takes place by dialing a phone number. This is the biggest problem in customer service right now, the disconnection between the digital experience and then the live in-person experience that for most companies takes place on the phone. So when that same interaction, that same human to human interaction occurs on the customer's own screen and in the context of the digital interaction that that customer has already begun, it's still the same two people solving the same issue. But it's a completely different experience for the customer, a much lower effort experience that leads directly to greater loyalty. So it's solving for the disconnect between the digital experience and then the live dialed telephone number experience that companies really need to think through if they're going Mm -hmm. to continue to evolve as fast as their customers already have. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think just thinking about it, I think everyone has at least 1000 examples of times where they needed to go again through the loop. And uh, we still see a lot of brands that are uh, setting up chatbots on the website where you say, okay, well, that's a, that's a good way. So I'm going to the chatbot. I'm facing an issue. I feel everything on the chatbot. And then the chatbot says, sorry, I can't help you. Just dial that number. And you go back to square one. You have to start all over again. Yeah. And in today's digital first world, and with the convenience and agency, the degree of control that we've all gotten so used to, and especially since the onset of the pandemic, as we've all become largely digital first people, that whole idea of having to do something all over again or starting from the beginning is the most frustrating part of customer experience and leads directly to customer disloyalty. Yeah, absolutely. So do, do you know a, a good example of a company that does that well? So the company I work for, Glia, is now serving over 200 different companies, largely in financial services, credit unions, banks, and insurance companies. And virtually all of those companies are saying the interactions that we're having with our customers or members in the case of credit unions that are happening on the customer's own screen are scoring the highest we've ever had in terms of CSAT or for those companies that measure customer effort, the lowest for customer effort. Because the customer doesn't have to do anything more than just press a button on their screen and now they're talking to a live person who not only already knows who they are because that person's been authenticated through the system on the website or app, but based on that customer's browsing history or where they've been on the website or app, that agent typically knows exactly how they can solve the customer's problem. So think about that for just a a minute. It may be the same exact agent who used to work in what we call a call center and now works in a digital collaboration center, which is the term we're starting to hear more and more of. Mm -hmm. It's the same two people. But in one scenario, the agent comes on the phone and says, hi, I'm Rick. How may I help you? 
And the customer's thinking, how may you help me? I've already spent minutes on your <laughs> website or app describing my problem, getting as far as I can in self-service, clicking around and navigating. And now you're asking me how you can help me? That's almost borderline disrespectful. Yeah. Because the agent is treating that interaction like it's the beginning of something. But to the customer, it's very much the middle of something. Yeah. And the customer's experience is the only one that really matters in this case. Yeah. yeah. So at Glia, we have a logo, which is the universal red circle with the slash through it. And in the middle mm -hmm. of the circle are the words, how may I help you? <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool to never be asked that question again? Because yeah. the person you're talking to should already know who you are and they should already know how they can help you. Yeah. And when a conversation starts at that level versus give me all your authentication information and tell me about your problem and how may I help you? Again, it's still the same two people. It's still the same issue, but a completely different experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's like meeting a, a goldfish or meeting the person you've known your entire life. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. It's like some strange dog walking up to you and sniffing around you and deciding whether or not they're going to be hostile versus your pet that you lost a year ago and now they found their way back to you and they know you immediately. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. And I... And that's good that technology is able to to help on that. So, um, if you're looking um, broadly at customer experience, is there, according to you, a concept or a myth that you would like to to call out? Yeah, there's a couple of them. One of them is more external, and one of them is more internal. The external one is that phone and voice sound like the same thing, but again, they're completely different. So a phone call, even though it's the same two people talking versus an on-screen interaction that occurs in the midst of the digital process that I, the customer, have already begun, are completely different. So those two words sound the same, phone and voice. And again, it's still the same two people having a conversation, but the way it feels to the customer is very different. And frankly, the way it feels to the agent or the customer service rep is also very different. Yeah. So the whole idea of phone and voice sounding the same but being completely different, that's the first myth. The second myth, more of an eternal consideration, is that technology means we're trying to get rid of our human people. We're trying to cut humans out of the equation or out of the process. And again, nothing could be further from the truth because hmm. what we describe in our book is that through the use of technology, it's now possible to create a much better experience for your live agents. And in fact, hmm. to use technology and bots to do what they do best, processing of information, pre-filling out of forms, making sure that the navigation of what a customer or an agent is trying to do is obvious and visible so that the human being, the agent, can be more human. So mm -hmm. bots aren't here to take your jobs away if you work in customer service. They're here to make your job easier. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you know, what, what I was going to say is that you know, in our earlier book, The Effortless Experience, we learned that a customer's reaction 
to the question, how much effort was required to get your issue resolved? Their answer to that question is a nearly perfect predictor of that customer's future loyalty. People Mm -hmm. who have a low effort experience are very likely to be as loyal or more loyal than they were before the incident occurred. But a person who has a high effort experience is very much more likely to become disloyal as a result. But guess what? The same thing applies to employees. In a follow-on study, we looked at employee effort. And probably not surprisingly, we saw an absolute correlation between whether or not frontline employees feel like they're being set up for success and the interaction and the quality of the experience that customers have. So the way to create a low effort experience for your customers is to start by creating a lower effort experience for your employees and to make sure that they feel like the company is doing everything possible to set them up for success in those one-on-one interactions that they're having with customers every day. Yeah, absolutely. I I think organizations spend a lot of time and effort and money in branding and making fancy websites and making everything looks great. Um, but if they don't invest in the people that are also one of the touch points uh, for, for the end customers, then this is where they will be failing a lot. Yeah. And I fully agree with you. I mean, if you, if you give the right technology to people, the right process being put in place, uh, you set up people for success. Uh, it's like uh, giving a better car to a, a taxi driver instead of having a rickshaw and, and carrying people around. If you give him a, a taxi and, and a car and an engine that works, he'll be able to do a better job. So, yeah, I fully agree with you on, on how technology can be actually be an enabler and not a way to save money. And just... Yeah. As it turns out, though... It does save money. And again, going back to no longer having to say, how may I help you? And going through the whole um, the whole process of authenticating a customer and diagnosing their issue. When all of that is done before the agent or the customer service rep even enters the middle of the customer's conversation, that conversation is invariably shorter. And of course, mm-hmm. in customer service, time is money. Every minute spent having a live interaction with customers costs the company some number of dollars. Hmm. And so if you could create a better interaction between that agent and that customer, and that interaction is also shorter, well, then everybody wins. You've achieved a better experience, promoted greater customer loyalty, and you've saved money in the process. In the book, we refer to this as the win-win-win-win. The customer, the company, the frontline service team, and the leaders of that company all benefit by making just one move. And there is no downside. There's no give to get. There's no trade-off. You know, if you could create a remarkably better customer experience and it costs more money, well, you could argue that that might be worth it. Or conversely, if you were willing to take a little bit of a hit to customer experience, but you were saving your company millions of dollars, well, that might be worth it. But if there was a way way to accomplish all of these outcomes simultaneously and everyone comes out ahead, then it becomes more like a no brainer. And, And this is the way service is going. That's why 
digital first on-screen service is becoming the new standard for how companies should and now can serve their customers. Absolutely. And and how do you see the, um, the market evolving in the next five to 10 years? Well, the market is now evolving somewhat slower than customers themselves have. You know, when you think about the change of behavior that all of us have experienced, first of all, over the past 14 years, so I'm using 14 as the introduction of the smartphone, mm-hmm. think about how our behavior and expectations and mentality as people have changed in just those 14 years. You know, in less than a generation, we've experienced the biggest mass, nearly universal behavior change that the human race has ever experienced in such a short period of time. And now it's time for companies to evolve the way they serve customers, at least as fast as customers themselves have evolved. Yeah. I'll just give you an example. I happen to be waiting for a train and there were about a hundred people in the train waiting room. The train was about 20 minutes out. <clears throat> so I just did a little eyeball research and I looked around and I thought, what percentage of the people who are waiting for this train are looking at some screen or other, a laptop, <clears throat> a tablet or a smartphone? Any guess as to what that percentage was? Yeah, there you go. Not mathematically possible, but that is the right answer. It was everyone. There wasn't one person in that waiting room reading a newspaper or a book. There wasn't one person turning to someone else and having a conversation. Every single person in that waiting room was looking at some screen or other. That is who we are as people. That's how we have evolved. That's how we now have chosen to live our lives. But the vast majority of companies haven't evolved as quickly as their own customers. That's true. And how how do you explain that? Well, remember, customer service has always been built on a platform around the nucleus of telephone service. And up until just a couple of years ago, that was perfectly fine. That worked well. That's what people were used to. I mean, almost no one likes calling customer service, but it's what we've all been used to over the past many years. But now that we live in an on-screen world, virtually all of us all the time, it's up to companies to create an experience that occurs entirely on the customer's own screen and doesn't require a whole separate phone call. But again, because the machinery or the platform of most companies' customer service operations start with the nucleus of phone service, or what we call the traditional contact center, used to be the call center, Mm -hmm. now the contact center, until you evolve into a digital collaboration center, where every part of the experience occurs on the customer's own screen, then your company is behind where your customers are. Now, again, you can't blame companies. You know, companies didn't ask for the greatest behavior change in human history to occur right now in front of our own eyes. Companies didn't ask for the whole world to change in the way it has, but that is the way the world is. So uh, what what do they say in... uh, 
the Shawshank Redemption. Get busy living or get busy dying. You can either move as quickly as your customers have, or you will begin to see, see yourself being marginalized or left behind. Yeah. There's a lot of truth in there. And that's a complete paradigm change in actually the foundation of how organizations have been made and how do you completely change that mindset. So as a, as a closing point, what would you advise people that have listened to this podcast? What would you advise them to do? So they just stop, press stop on the recording and what would you advise them to do? Think about how many phone calls your company is taking every day, week, month, and ask yourself how many of those needed to be a phone call. Now, I'm not asking how many of those needed to be a live conversation between human beings, but how many of those needed to be a phone call? And the answer in today's world is practically zero of them. Other than customers who don't go online or other than customers who didn't visit your website or app to find your phone number in the first place, for people who simply went to a phone and dialed a number and that was their first point of contact, other than those people, now we know that that's only about 16% of customers since 84% of customers come first to a website or an app when they need help from a company. Why are we still making so many of those 84% of customers stop everything and start all over again by dialing a phone number? So take a hard look at how many phone calls you're getting. Ask yourself, how many of those people wanted to call you in the first place? That's a very low number. Then ask, how many of those needed to be a phone call? That's a very low number. So to the extent that your company is still taking thousands and thousands of phone calls, that's the clear sign that you've fallen behind the expectations and the behavior and the psychology of your customers. Wow. I think this 84% number was something I'll, I'll take along as really and the 16% of people that we are forcing through the phone I, th I think it's a key number yeah. here so again you know every time you yourself as a customer have to call a company just ask yourself where'd you get the phone number from if you got the phone number from the company's website or app well you were already on the website or app yeah why are we as a company now making you do a completely different thing yeah you know it would be like in the brick and mortar world, it would be like if a customer walked into your store and then you said, well, to resolve that problem, you're going to have to go to our other store across town and then you have to get in your car and drive to the company's store in a different location. It's like, what am I doing? Well, I was already in your store. Well, now we need you to go to a completely different store where a very friendly person will say, how may I help you? It's like, I was in your store. Yes, and I think I experienced that in in the, um, in the in the nineties that I needed to go to different stores and they were pushing <laughs> you around. But yeah, indeed, I, I I think that makes it even more lively. So thank you so much, Rick. Um, I think we have had a lot of wisdom and knowledge during this exchange. Um, your new book, Digital Customer Service, is available on Amazon and on 
all uh, bookstores. You also have a great website. Uh, enjoy the video uh, with you and Dan, um, how you explain the concepts and also your interaction. Um, I really recommend everyone to, to check them out. So thank you so much, Rick. Uh, people, what is the best way for people to engage with you? Always through LinkedIn, Rick Delisi, D-E-L-I-S-I. Or again, you mentioned our, our book website, which is digitalcustomerservicebook.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Rick. And I wish you a fantastic day. Thank you. Cheers, everybody. 